The Love Life and Lose Weight podcast will teach you the art and science of changing your habits around food. I'm your host, Advanced Certified Weight and Life Coach, Heather Beardsley. I've helped hundreds of women just like you figure out how to stop dieting, lose weight, and love life on the journey to goal weight and beyond. Welcome to episode 30. This is um, another episode that's going to address some of these um, eating habits that can get in the way of weight loss. Today, we're talking about performance eating. Um, last week, we talked about middle of the night eating. I hope that was helpful for you. This is just a, a different version of habits around food that are based on beliefs. So middle of the night eating happens because we believe that eating something will help us go to sleep. And it's just two unrelated things that we have put together in our mind as um, like they belong to each other or that they're somehow connected. And the truth is they're only connected because we make them connected with our reasoning. <laughs> we believe in it, right? And performance eating is a different flavor of that. Um, let me explain what I mean by performance eating. So I have some of this. I, I always have, I've noticed, I noticed when um, I would overeat that it would always tend to be kind of when I was alone or in the house or like, at least with my family, I would kind of overeat. But when I would like when my kids were young, I would go out for dinner now and then with some girlfriends who would have wine night or like celebrate birthdays or what have you. And I, I noticed when I would get back from those evenings that I was like, oh, I like, I didn't hardly have anything to eat. It wasn't anything unconscious that I was doing, but I did notice like I would order like really healthy things and I would be it would be just easy for me to do it. I, I don't, didn't really know why, but I felt good about it. You know, it wasn't anything overly restrictive, but it was just like, I didn't want to eat in front of other women in a way that um, was overeating at all. Although sometimes I would do it when I was by myself. So I never really thought much about it. And then fast forward to now, of course, I've, I've, take a deep dive into all of these different eating habits, but this is one version of like my example of eating out, um, in a way that really kind of represents like doable hunger, which is eating when you're hungry and stopping at enough. And I picked things, but the food that I picked was kind of like virtuous food, right? Like not a lot of carbs. It would be like what I thought at the time was healthy foods, which I know is just like diet mentality. <laughs> I would have protein, I would have vegetables and stay away from carbohydrates and not order dessert. I never ordered dessert. So that was kind of like good food, bad food thinking that was playing out in my virtuous food choices. Um, Sometimes this can happen even in front of our family or our partners, our spouses, like me with my girlfriends or whatever. Um, and it's just indicative of something that you're believing about you 
in your performance, your public performance around food. So this has a social aspect to it. This is like, I'm aware that you are watching me eat and the way that I eat is how I'm directing that message to you. So it's kind of funny, right? Because even though I wasn't aware of how like I was performance eating in front of my girlfriends, I was aware of my performance eating in my own mind. It was a way for me to show up in a public setting, doing what, like eating the way I thought that I should. And this is really key. So any performance eating codes to thinking of, I should be eating this way, or I don't want them to think that I don't eat this way. So there's always a rift there, right? Because if we just always ate the way that we were performance eating, there would be no performance. It would just be how we eat. But there's a dichotomy happening here. And that is, I eat one way when I'm with people and I eat other ways when I'm alone. And this can be really telling about our mindset around food and how does it change in social situations versus when, how you eat when you're alone. So that's the first thing I'm going to ask you to write about. It's like, do I performance eat? Yes or no. And if so, like, when do I do that? And a lot of time, like if you don't performance eat, feel free to skip the episode. <laughs> But maybe even people, if you don't do it, maybe some people that you love, you feel like do it, you know, when they ask you about, oh, you sure you want to eat that, you know, that's not really good for you or that's so unhealthy. Maybe sometimes they comment on your choices of food or they question it. That's their kind of idea of performance eating being um, offered to you from their mindset. So performance eating is always something that gives us a sense of safety around our actions around food. We're doing things in a social setting that we feel as though makes us safe. Now that's an interesting concept, don't you think? <laughs> Why would we need to feel safe about our food choices around food? Well, if you peel the onion a little bit, you know, and take the, take the outermost layer off, it's this idea of being virtuous, um, diet mentality, diet industry messages around virtuous eating. You know, this is good food, this is bad food. And then we internalize that and make that mean we're good or bad by the types of food that we choose. And it's interesting because you know, there is no one standard for virtuous food. Like what some people think are virtuous foods, other people think is still unhealthy. So it's all subjective and it's all based on particular perspective of the person and what they believe or don't believe. You know, someone, someone doing virtuous keto, like whole foods keto, right? Broccoli and chicken breast with, um, I don't know, sauce on it, let's say. They could think that's the healthiest thing in the world. And a vegan would think that like might judge them for their food choices, right? And this is the key is that 
in that one example, it has to do with protecting ourselves by how we choose our food, how we performance eat from other people's judgments. And usually we think it's about other people, but it's really about our own judgments, right? Because what we project outwardly um, in our thinking about what other people are thinking, which we could never really know, um, usually stems from our own beliefs and thoughts around food that we have ourselves. So performance eating is an interesting thing for you to work on. Okay. And it can be a great way for you to understand more fully, like, what do you believe about food that you don't even realize that you are projecting on your own agenda for how you should eat in front of other people? Like, you probably think it's about other people and what they think, but it really is about what you think. So let's take my example from all those years ago when I would go out for dinner with my girlfriends. Like, I wish that I had had the foresight to kind of come home from a night out like that and write about like why I chose what I chose and why I definitely never overate in front of my friends. Like I would always leave food on the plate and this and that, which is great, right? It's great. But the part about it that was, that needed exploring is why would I overeat at home, but not in front of them? And if I had explored it, thinking now back about it, I think I probably would have figured out that I didn't want my friends to judge me for my weight. That's probably what I was thinking. Like, oh, Heather's like a little bit heavier, like since she had her second baby. <laughs> I think I probably thought, that they thought that I was bigger than I should be. Like just saying this seems so crazy to me right now, but I do think that I had that, 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 that thinking. Cause I had it about myself. Like the truth is my friends just like, I was just Heather. They're not in their heads thinking about my weight. Like maybe some of them were, but how would I ever know? But I was in my head about my weight. Because, and I remember this, I remember, um, <laughs> I was kind of judgmental about my drinking, even back then. Like, I didn't like the fact that, you know, having some wine when I was out felt like such relief. And then I made that mean, like, why do you like wine so much, Heather? That's not good. You should be able to take it or leave it. And then what would happen is, the next day I would go and over-exercise to compensate for drinking wine. I would also do it to compensate for when I overate, when I was by myself. And so it just became this like never ending cycle of like judgment over my weight and my food. I was talking about this with um, a client about compensatory exercise you know, what we, how we over-exercise to compensate for overindulging in our food or our drink. Yeah. I would take my German shepherd every evening after dinner and we would run like not quite two miles around the lake. 
And um, I remember thinking like, this is good. Like, this is good for me. Like if, as long as I do this, like it still means, it means like I'm healthy. Like I was running to try to outrun my own judgments about my drinking and about wanting, you know, the foods that I thought weren't great that I was still eating. I had this idea that if I could just eat virtuous foods all the time, like I did when I was out with my girlfriends and just not want wine, that I would be safe. My weight would be safe. I would be safe and I would be able to feel good about myself. But I wasn't quite there. Like in my mind, I was always like trying to outrun that literally. And I, I was like thinking to myself from today, my mind, I remember my mind went back there and was like, oh, remember when you used to run with Pasha around the lake? That was so good. You were in such good shape. My brain was saying to me, if you could just do that now, you'd be in great shape. But now I've learned the skill of talking back to my brain, which I highly recommend. And I was like, wait, 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 wait a minute. First of all, and then I remembered why I ran. I was out running my judgments of my food and uh, my choices. And then I was like, and by the way, I never had the experience of running every night, my two miles with my German shepherd that I was like, so in shape and felt so good about myself. I would get back and be like, well, you're still so slow. Like if you could just run faster, then you might be good enough to run a 5k without feeling shameful about how slow you run. The way that I just never allowed myself to feel good about what I was doing. And this is, I want to bring this back to performance eating. Like the way that you eat, you want to be eating foods that you truly want to eat. And you want to give yourself permission to eat those foods whenever you're physically hungry. This is the, the core tenet of intuitive eating. It's like the body drives the bus of your relationship with food. It drives the bus by you having an awareness of your physical hunger and your satiety or your enough signals. And as long as you just follow those and your natural tastes and preferences for food, then you, you can have a, a, you know, a complete experience of feeling whole. You get to give yourself permission to do that. But you see, I was running all the time because I was chasing this idea of virtuous eating and virtuous drinking. And when we hold uphold ideals of like virtuousness with our food, it's a standard to which you can never meet. Because the truth is like, there's always going to be something that the diet industry or our diet conditioning says that we shouldn't be doing. And when you give yourself really permission just to drop all of those shoulds, and tell yourself that like what, what the brain is telling you, you know, people judge you for is really just what you are judging you for. Like people's, think about this. Let's say 
people are judging you. Like, let's just go to worst case scenario. Let's say you go out for dinner. Like, let's take me with my girlfriends. Let's say I ordered, I don't know, fettuccine Alfredo, and then I ordered chocolate cake for dessert. Um, I think it's probably true. They might've judged my selections. Okay. They're human. I mean, if I would judge it, they would judge it, right? Let's say they had thoughts about my choices around food. Maybe they would have said something to me and I could just let them have their thoughts, but they, those can't hurt me. What they think in their head or even say to me, I have to agree with them in order for it to hurt me. But if I'm square with myself and my choices and I give myself permission to be a human being who has tastes and preferences around food, then I am safe because I'm tuned in with my body. I have it when I'm hungry and I'm stop it enough. And the really like the heartbreaking thing about this is that so many of us, I'll say us, thankfully not me anymore, because I have tested this out and I know it's true. We just are stuck by our belief that like, I can't eat what I want and lose weight because we believe the lie that virtuous foods are the only way to have the weight that we want and have, um, you know, the, the life that we want is to be a virtuous person around food and eat the right things. Like, you know, if you think that because you want chocolate cake, that you're never going to be the kind of eater that you want to be, you're in virtuous thinking around food. Right? That is a gift. That is your judgment around your food choices is begging you to really look at this. What if you're just wrong about that? What if, what if the people that you think are the healthiest eaters or whatever, or the most in shape or who knows, what if they love chocolate cake too? What would that mean? I mean, is it possible to be all that you want to be and have your natural tastes and preferences around food? And here's what I know as a coach is that if you have over desire for certain foods, it's because you've told yourself you can't have them. You know, I would go home and have Oreo, a whole sleeve of Oreo cookies. Many times after I was out, because I had been thinking virtuously about food, which made me feel restricted because I didn't really have maybe the pasta or whatever that I wanted. And that creates over-desire. So when you start planning for foods you like and you give yourself permission to have them, fuck what people think. Who cares what they think about how you eat? Like these days, Honestly, if I was at dinner with a girlfriend who ordered fettuccine Alfredo and a chocolate cake, I'd be like, good for you. That looks amazing. But I don't comment on other people's food anymore. I just don't do it. <laughs> Life is hard enough. I might say like, how is that? Is that great? I might have it next time. You know, if I'm not already ordering it myself, you know? So. Performance eating is an indicator 
that you're having virtuous thoughts around your performance around food or ideas of like eating in a certain way keeps me safe from other people's judgments. And it's really an invitation to look at how you're mirroring your own judgments outward toward other people. And that what you're looking for, for safety in your choices of food, you're missing the opportunity to give yourself safety in your practice of food. So you, when you decide, I'm going to eat the foods I truly love, and I'm going to learn how to have them without fearing that they are going to cause me to gain weight or block my weight loss. And you get in there and you really, really play with this. You're going to learn that, you know, 99% out of the time, we blame the type of food for what the actual overeating of it did. Okay. And that's just what 10,000 hours of one-on-one -on -one coaching has shown me to be true. So. Take a look at your performance eating, do some journaling around it. Um, really ask yourself, like, how do I think this keeps me safe? And then I want you to punch holes in that theory. I want you to cross-examine it. I want you to tell the other side of the story around it. And then I want you to create a um, idea of what kind of eater, social eater do you want to be? You know, what does that look like? And you know, it's got to be a doable step from where you are. So in other words, if, if I'm talking to past me who would virtuous eat with her girlfriends, uh, she might write about how I might just have some bread from the bread basket if I really wanted it. I wouldn't go right to fettuccine Alfredo and chocolate cake, right? Not that that's the end all be all, but it's just an example. Like just take steps and see like, I'm always safe no matter what I eat because I no longer beat myself up around food. I no longer make how I eat or drink a reason for me to think that I'm less than or I'm not good enough or I'm wrong for wanting these things. Okay. It's creating mental and emotional safety for yourself around food. Okay. So play with it. Come visit me at Thrive in Midlife on Instagram and let me know about your performance eating and what you're going to work on and maybe what your protocol is. If you have questions, you can ask me over there and we'll keep the discussion going. Okay, so stay focused and so long. Hey, if this episode was helpful, then let's connect. Visit hbeardsley.com forward slash subscribe. That's H-B-E-A-R-D-S-L-E-Y.com forward slash subscribe. You'll get a gift from me, exclusive subscriber content and advanced notice of in-person events. 